Hello and welcome to the 9th episode of the Fiscal Yogi podcast. My name is Anis Rao. I am a certified financial planner among other things and in this episode I'm going to be talking a little bit outside of personal finance or philosophy. Today I'm going to be talking about the Citizenship Amendment Act. Now some of you might be wondering what on earth is a guy who has a podcast on personal finance and philosophy or yoga uh, talking about uh, politics and citizenship amendment act isn't that a very political subject to go into well i was thinking about this too and uh, i was wondering if whether my podcast is really the right method or right means to talk to people about about what is going on in the country with the entire caa and the protests and so on and i was i was listening to nasiruddin shah talking uh, on a, in an interview where he said that uh, in the beginning even i was this kind of person who said that uh, i am an apolitical actor i don't believe right versus left ideologies or whatever it was in in his uh, period whether it was socialism versus capitalism and so on but then as he uh, matured as an actor and he started taking on more serious roles he got into more uh, deeper roles somebody told him i think it was saeed mirza who he was referring to where he said that uh, nothing in this life is apolitical there is no such thing as an apolitical actor or an apolitical citizen even not taking a political stance is a political stance in itself so you have to recommend you have to realize that whatever you are doing is is political and that that is the very nature of being in a democracy versus being in a in a, a raja and subject a king and his subject kind of situation where uh, be, when you are a subject of a king you do not really have the liberties to make your own political decisions but when we are in a democracy that is the real difference between uh, that where you have the agency where you have the free choice freedom of freedom of will that you can make up your own decisions whether whatever you are doing is political or not but before we get into the rest of the episode i would like to apologize to my listeners many of you have asked me where on earth has is your podcast gone the last podcast episode was published sometime in late october if i am not mistaken and that was episode number 8 and since then i have been on a unexplained vacation so but i just want to let you know those of you who are listening now that it is a lot of hard work putting in a putting out a podcast episode the 15 20 minutes of produced audio that you were listening to took me at least 3 to 4 hours of of preparation recording editing post processing and finally publishing to actually get it out to you and 3 hours out of that at least 2 hours is just divided across the week where i'm just whenever i get a free moment i'm just thinking about what i'm going to do next and whether it's going to be interesting how do i make it more interesting how do i tie it up into the structure of the entire uh, episodes and the series so far so it was very stressful i must admit but uh, i think i now have a lot more respect for people who come out with a weekly podcast and to the especially to the depths and research depths of research that a lot of people do because you see some guys doing some people doing you know two hour episodes three hour episodes every week like tim ferris for example or or amit varma they have like massive episodes every week and you truly wonder how do these people find the time to to go through and they're interviewing people right so when you're interviewing someone you have to go through their latest book you have to 
or whatever it is that they are doing to to understand where it fits in with their ideology and so on so it's it's massive and i i cannot begin to imagine how hard it is so thank you very much for all of you who who've been asking me where has where is your latest episode and i sh- i am sh- very happy to say that it's finally out here today uh this is also a slightly different episode in that it is not very uh, heavily scripted not that the previous episodes were scripted but there was a structure or written down structure which i had and then the episode would kind of uh, go along those lines today is going to be more extemporaneous more off the cuff more i'm just making it up as i go along more or less but i would love to hear your feedback on this new approach and if i'm able to make it work i think i will be able to have a more an episode out more frequently than it uh, than it took me and hopefully with a lot less stress in any case i hope that it, this is an as enjoyable an experience for you as the previous episodes now going back to the citizenship amendment act and i'm going to try to explain what all what is in the act and also what uh, since it is an amendment act there is also something that comes before so i'm going to try to explain to some extent to whatever i am not an expert i must preface this discussion right at the beginning by saying that i am not an expert on citizenship on legal matters which essentially this is what this is this is an act so therefore it's a it's a matter of law and i am definitely not a lawyer by by training but i will try and explain what is going on in the next few minutes So one of the fundamental doubts that I had when this entire thing broke out is what is what exactly are the advantages of being an Indian citizen with uh, regard to being an alien as the technical term by the way is that if you are not an Indian citizen and you are living in India you would be an alien you could be a legal alien you could be an illegal alien if you are a legal alien you could be here on a visa you could be here on work or on a tourist visa or you could be uh, what's called a sharanarthi by a sharanarthi is basically a political refugee somebody who is running away from oppression in his or her own country and is therefore looking for refuge in the country of india and hoping that uh, india will give that person's uh, legal citizenship so anyhow what are the advantages of being a citizen with respect to uh, aliens so there are basically these uh, so we are familiar with the fundamental rights uh, which is the right to equality right to practice any lang- uh, any profession pra- right to practice any religion and so on so those rights are not given to aliens among a lot of other things what is definitely given to aliens or people who are foreigners who are residing in india is that number one they are guaranteed equality before law and equal protection of laws i think that is one of the most fundamental things that is still enshrined in the constitution is that even if you are an alien you are still subject to the same laws as are the laws for an indian person so if you come here and fa- commit a crime or whether that's a you know a, a civil crime a civil offense or a or an actual criminal offense whatever it is the same laws of the land apply to you as well as to uh, to indians if you're an alien there are various other things but i think at, at the very basic this is the only thing that is uh, really given to aliens and uh, the fundamental rights are not therefore guaranteed for an alien they are only guaranteed for citizens of india so what what did this entire citizenship amendment act seek to do so the original citizenship act and there is an excellent podcast by amit varma and and shrinath raghavan in his podcast the seen and the unseen which aired on 22nd december of 2019 which went really in depth into the entire history of uh, of the citizenship act and how the political climate was when the original rules were framed sometime in 1950 when we had actually 
effectively a very porous border between India and Pakistan and what was originally West Pakistan and East Pakistan with a lot of people moving in and out of both countries because of the violence that was happening around that time and there was a certain set of rules which which were therefore defined in 1950 which originally decided who would be an Indian citizen and then the actual set of rules which came in around 1955 through the citizenship act and uh, let's just discuss very quickly what the original rules were by which uh, you could become a citizen of india by the the citizenship act of 1955 so number 1 was by birth so any person who was born in india before 26th of january 1950 became uh, an indian citizen regardless of the nationality of his or her parents uh, by descent was the second option wherein if a person's father was a citizen of india by birth uh, the his his children would become citizens of india by because of the act the third was something called by registration so if you are a resident of india for 7 years uh, for a period, continuously before you apply for registration can be con- considered for for the citizenship and finally people can also become citizens by what is called naturalization so if you are an ordinarily a resident of india for 12 years and fulfills all the qualifications in something called the third schedule of the citizenship act uh, you become you can become a citizen of india so these four rules broadly uh classified how you could become a citizen of india also very interestingly you cannot become a dual citizen of india and some other country so if you take up the citizenship of some other country you have to officially give up that citizenship before you take up the indian citizenship so uh those were the official rules back in 1955 and there was an amendment in 2003 which kind of included the word called illegal migrant uh in this definition but it didn't really def- define how is it that you became a migrant what about people who came in for work or people who were a terrorist none, none of these things were actually specified in the 2003 amendment which was during the vajpayee government and finally we are here today in 2019 2020 where the government has recently pushed to push through uh, an amendment to the act where it basically said that if you are a political refugee or sharanarthi as it is in in hindi from uh, the three muslim majority nations which are our neighbors which are afghanistan pakistan or bangladesh and if you are not a muslim so if you called yourself to belong to the faith of hindu parsi sikh christianity or buddhism you could become a citizen of india through this act and you have to have come in before 2014 which was some arbitrary date which they decided that this is going to be the cut off so there are many many oppositions to this and there's a whole bunch of discussions about whether this is against the constitution of india whether it goes against the very secular fabric that was envisaged in the in the constitution there's also a lot of debate and discussion about how why we are targeting these these three countries which supposedly have muslim majorities but even within them like we know very well that uh, there is the entire shia sunni war which is going on for so many centuries now so even within the muslim uh, religion itself there are whatever sub castes or whatever they call them which are at loggerheads with each other and do you then give uh, refuge to people who are the minority in that in that country is that part of the act that is not really specified there is this entire other discussion about uh, tamilian hindus who uh, took refuge in some parts of tamil nadu and they came in from sri lanka and sri lanka is a buddhist country by majority and uh, in the 70s and 80s during the entire ltte uh political activism that was going on in that in that country there were a bunch of tamilians who came into uh, sri lanka to tamil nadu 
and who have been living in refugee camps for well over the past couple of decades and even they have not been given citizenship up to this time so why have they been excluded so you could have just as easily included sri lanka in that uh, in that list and you could have then therefore given citizenship to those people who were missed out then there is the entire assam discussion which is uh, about how there was the assam accord in 1985 and the assamese were basically a, a tribal there were a lot of tribes in that region as is somewhat well known today that there are over 200 tribes in assam alone and they were trying to protect their own culture from this invasion which was happening from bangladesh and during this uh, in the in the 70s and 80s before uh, before the 71 war also and even after that there were a lot of uh, hindu as well as muslim muslims from bangladesh who came into Bangla- to assam and uh, started working over there and they they slowly started to threaten the very culture of of assam so there was this entire which is why the uh, assam accord was set up where the Assam, the local assamese were trying to protect their own territory from Uh, so called infiltration or basically the dilution of their own culture from the outsiders so it's it's a very layered debate it's a very complex debate and it's definitely not one that i consider myself an expert on it is just based on whatever i've been reading and watching over the past month or so when i'm trying to understand this entire discussion so if you've been following my discussion so far i think you would agree that being a citizen of india is quite an important thing uh, it gives you access to all these wonderful fundamental rights which give you the 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 right to practice any profession or business it right gives you the right to practice any religion it gives you the right to move freely anywhere in the country well given certain caveats of course but broadly there are a lot of things to be gained from becoming a citizen and uh, you lose all of these things and all you'll get is the equality before law which is the limited uh, right that is granted to a foreigner or to an alien of the of uh, india so now how do you go about trying to understand you sh- whether you should oppose or agree the with the citizenship amendment act and how do you go about making up your stance on it i was i was thinking a lot about this trying to figure out how do i propose to uh, put up the other side's arguments because let me say uh, let me preface this discussion by saying that i am i am biased i am inherently against the entire concept of a citizenship amendment act but uh, let me just try and go into reasons why you may want to be a proponent or a supporter of this entire thing that is going on going by what is published in the act the act basically says that if you if you are against uh people of be- belonging to the religious faith of muslims coming in from our three neighboring countries and remember those are not the three uh, only three neighboring countries that we have but if you are against muslims coming in to india from afghanistan pakistan or bangladesh you should definitely support the act i say okay that if that is your argument how many of you listening to this podcast or people whom you have spoken to how many of you have been affected by such an influx of uh, migrants coming in from these countries who belong to this particular religion and who have taken away your jobs who have taken away your access to healthcare to education or to any of the wonderful other wonderful opportunities that our country provides to us i'm guessing you don't know anybody who's actually gone gone through this so it doesn't really make sense for you to want to support this 
act based on that reason alone there is a lot of uh, rhetoric going on a lot of uh, political posturing going on about are bahut ghuspeti aa gaye hai and a lot of my illegal migrants in the in the country a lot of bangladeshis have come into the country uh, 2000 the 2011 census doesn't bear out to this fact there's something like 0.5% of the country's population in the 500 districts which are not bordering Bangladesh I believe the country has 680 districts so out of that 500 districts have 0.5% of illegal migrants so that's a paltry number so uh, if you want to try and find these people it makes no sense to want to trouble the entire population to find 0.5% of the population surely there are better ways and means to find that smaller uh, a sliver of the population who is anyhow trying to evade the law and therefore which should be that much easier to find whereas everybody else is like you know if you are a legal citizen you're not trying to run away from the law by by hiding in some in some dirty place and trying to claim that you are an indian citizen you you just go about your business like like an every every other person so for the for the border districts yes that w- would be a problem and our state has uh, borders with bangladesh with pakistan with afghanistan to some extent with nepal uh, sri lanka is a sea border as such so there are maybe in those places you might find more of a problem but that you can find better ways of dealing with that problem than to trouble the entire population and this is very similar to the entire thing that we saw in demonetization at least to begin with where if the entire uh, premise was on based on the fact that you want to catch hold of fake currency uh, counterfeit notes as it were uh, something like 0.5% again of the all the notes in circulation are counterfeit so what is the point of burning the entire uh, notes that are in circulation to find 0.5% of it surely there are better ways and means of finding that something similar is going to happen with with the nrc if uh, this is what is brought about where if every citizen has to prove his or her own citizenship you're going to get on, get into a lot of hassles when when trying to prove that because surely it's easier to to find that half a percent of the population wherever they are and and bring them to to the justice system if if that is necessary in fact i would argue like you know doing a classic cost benefit analysis would be more worthwhile i mean if these people are out there they are working they are not becoming terrorists which is important you don't want people who are whether they are citizens or otherwise you don't want people becoming terrorists and and causing harm to people around us you are if they are working i say the hell with it yeah let them be if they are working they are drawing some sort of salary let's let's hope whether that's legal or illegal i don't know but they are going to spend it in the indian economy for the most part they might have people back home they might have found legal or illegal methods to send money back home to them but for the most part they are going to be living and earning in in india and they're going to be spending their money in india and they're going to be adding to our consumption so why should it matter beyond a point whether that person is an illegal migrant or not if there was like i said there is, if there is a cost is more to do with with terrorism or with other illegal activities then yes you should probably find ways to get them to court and uh, but surely the the cost cannot be distributed across the entire population and say okay now boss everybody is going to come and get into this nrc business it just does not make sense the other obvious reason that has been going around is this entire building of hindu rashtra that the rss and the bjp are putting about that uh, the constitution of india was essentially a flawed document and that we were not meant to be a secular state where people of all religions and faiths could could live freely and uh, work with each other and live with each other no we were meant to be a hindu rashtra and all these other religions were basically meant to cow below at our feet and uh, lick our boots and so on and that that is the entire argument that is being put about to some extent i can understand if 
if there was somebody in their 90s who had actually uh, faced uh, violence during the partition riots or maybe even later on at any of the riots that have happened the hindu muslim riots that have happened in our country and you've actually faced that first hand second hand you've had family members you've lost lives due to the, those uh, incidents of violence i can understand you wanting to have uh, you wanting to throw the muslims out of the country but if you were to open your eyes and see that it's it's not necessary that uh, number one only muslims or only hindus are the perpetrators of all crimes around you i mean look at the the nirbhaya case and all the even that's been going on in the recent past with their uh, hanging being stayed and so on none of those fellows were were mozi so did, did, does that make a difference uh, are you going to stop uh, violence against women by by making uh, india hindu rashtra are you going to be able to stop embezzlement of funds like mr vijay mallya and mr nirav modi were able to do and by making uh, our country a hindu rashtra no there's no such thing koi bhi doodh ka dhula nahi hota as they say there is nobody who is uh, going to be an extremely righteous person who is going to stick by the rules and his or her religion definitely does not attest to the fact that that person is going to be such and such it has no bearing on it whatsoever so why would you even bother going down that that rabbit hole and making our country a hindu rashtra and hoping that that is going to solve our problems and make india great again on the other hand the on the on the anti side there are uh, many arguments which i find very appealing to myself uh, dr abhijit banerjee who recently won the nobel prize for economics or whatever the the technical term for it along with his wife or his partner uh, for their work in randomized controlled trials so he was asked on an interview with pranay roy about his opinion about all that's been going on with the protests on the citizenship amendment act and he brought out a very very important point he said and i'm paraphrasing here but he said that we should be very wary we should be very watchful of the kind of powers that we give our government and our government officials over our citizenry and over ourselves because this in itself is a mass- massive method of uh, giving pain and suffering to people so for example if you had uh, and the example he gives is that if you had somebody living in a border district and there's this government official who walks up to him and says uh, i'm the guy who's been authorized to whether to check whether you are a citizen or of the, of the country or not and uh, whatever you say or do can or can may, may or may not influence me but if you give me a bribe of 10000 rupees that will definitely make go a long way in ensuring that you are a citizen of india so what you will actually end up getting on the field is not necessarily a, a list of people who have uh, the right documents to prove that they are a citizen of india but only who have the means to bribe the officials to ensure that they are on the right list and that is not exactly what you started out doing with with the entire process so and now i'm i'm going into my own experience here but one of the most important officials government officials that uh, i had the chance to meet was the rto people and movement and mobility in our country and our cities is one of the most important things important things to us right we need to be able to move to get to our place of work our place of education to our family to our doctors to to our place of leisure wherever it is and given the lack of public transportation in most cities or the lack of easily available public transportation in most cities we are beholden we are extremely attached to our vehicles be it two wheelers or four wheelers or otherwise and this person this rto official who goes through your uh, who goes through your driving test and makes and gives you and approves your driving license or 
does not approve or chooses not to approve your driving license he has immense power over the rest of the way your your life is going to pan out so if he decides to not take a liking to your face or if he decides that look he needs to finance his uh, i don't know it's his wedding anniversary and he is short of funds to buy his wife a gift and he needs some extra money and he'll say okay boss today i'm going to make up the difference and i'm going to charge everybody who comes my way uh, 500 rupee service charge for making sure that they pass the driving license that's the kind of power that you've given to a government official and well on the paper, on the books yes you want to make sure that you know this uh, everybody who's going to drive a vehicle on our roads is uh, uh, legally qualified has is uh, of sound uh, physical and f- is sound physically and mentally and uh, knows all the rules and so on but that definitely isn't the case right you see so many people driving badly you see people breaking the rules india has uh, some of the highest road fatalities in the world so that's a definition of a system that is not working and is only uh, in is not working in the sense that it was supposed to and is only working to help the rto officials rake home a nice fat uh, extra salary along with their regular paycheck so this could definitely be the case of uh, you know whoever are the officials who are designed who are uh, going to take your population data and the other argument which is the and on the anti ca side is the entire legality and the constitution and so on again i'm not a constitutional expert obviously like i said but uh, what the basically it it goes down to is that there is a certain value system that is enshrined in the constitution and that value system basically says that you are free to practice any religion of of your choice and so on uh, which you cannot just legislate away you cannot come in and say okay i have a a majority in the parliament so i will push together a, a lot to to change that you can change the words but you can't change the the morals or the values of the constitution and so this is a matter which is in court and uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion and debate over it over the next few months it was just in fact so if you're not aware it was just heard a couple of days back by the supreme court and the supreme court uh, gave the government four weeks to respond to a bunch of petitions that were sent the government's way and so basically we'll have another hearing sometime towards the later stages of february and we may have some more news about that but uh, that is the basic argument that you you can change the words of the constitution but there is a certain value system that is ingrained and inbuilt into the constitution and you can't just go about and change that by changing the words of the constitution So in this last part of this episode I just would like to read the preamble of the Indian Constitution for those of you who may not be aware a lot of the protests that have been going on in the in the country have been reading out the preamble of the constitution as a means to remind ourselves that this is the values and the ethics on which our country is based on so i just like to read out the constitution to you in case you don't remember it yourself and i definitely did not remember it word for word until i read it again so here goes we the people of india having solemnly resolved to constitute india into a sovereign socialist secular democratic republic and to secure to all its citizens justice social economic and political liberty of thought expression belief faith and worship equality of status and of opportunity and to promote among them all fraternity assuring the dignity of the individual and the unity and integrity of the nation in our constituent assembly this 26th day of november 1949 do hereby adopt enact and give to ourselves this constitution just want to highlight a couple of things about the constitution is that it is made by we the people of india obviously we 
the listeners to this podcast right now were not born at the time of making the constitution but this is the our forefathers who made the constitution it was not this the document which just appeared from somewhere kisi devta ne aake kisi mandir ke takht pe aake rakha nahi it didn't just appear magically out of anywhere it was created after a lot of discussion deliberation and thought by the people of india who defined what the the country of india should be and should stand for and we were not there again to at the time but uh, people talk about uh, uh, lifestyle what's the word lifestyle hacks and uh, dis- defining the way you work and so on imagine the mammoth exercise that these people were doing where they were defining a country and defining the values that a country citizenry should uphold it's an amazing thought that th- these people were there they were lucky enough to be at the, at that place and to be able to frame all these laws and these are the laws that we hold dear to us ourselves as citizens of india i hope you enjoyed my episode on the citizenship amendment act and i my intention was not to make up your mind for or against it i hope that i've given you some some places to start researching on your own to look up original uh, the the original documents and not rely on people who are thought leaders opinion makers in this space and and try and understand for yourself what is it that that this constitutes and then ma- you can make up your own mind whether or not uh, you uh, you agree with or disagree with this act and it's totally fine to have either either opinion and as long as you made that opinion yourself based on a reasoned approach and a logical approach and a rational approach i think that is definitely welcome in this country and that will always remain uh, always be welcome in our country and on this podcast as well so please send me your comments send me your feedback suggestions ideas whatever you may have for future episodes for this podcast i am your host anis rao thank you very very much for listening you can find show notes uh, on on the fiscal yogi website at www.fiscalyogi.com you can write to me at hello@fiscalyogi.com or you can tweet me at fiscalyogi thank you very much for listening once again and have a great day and i promise to be more regular with the episodes keep checking back in every once in a while for new episodes wherever you get your podcast thank you very much